Presented by the Athletes Hub, I'm Devin Withers. I'm alongside Gary Sunnyberger. I'm also alongside my good friend Isaiah Hansen. We've got a great show for you guys. We're going to be talking about our upcoming preseason and regular season predictions. We're going to be talking about the drama surrounding Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers and so much more. I want to hop right into it because we came out with a recent preview just a few weeks ago, and we were going to come out with our debut last week until Facebook and social media in general decided, eh, we're going to take the day off. So, Isaiah, I'm going to start with you because you had a very interesting take, and it surrounded your MVP and your finals predictions. For your finals predictions, you actually had the Bucks going way back. They would be the fifth team since the year 2000 to have back-to-back titles. You have the Bucks going back-to-back this year. The other four teams, the Lakers did it twice the Heat have done it with the LeBron James, you know, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, all of them. And we also all know about the Warriors dynasty. Talk to me a little bit about why you have the Bucks going as far as they do. Look, their season is going to start and it's going to end with the same guy that it did last year. And that's Giannis Antetokounmpo. I even practice his name because I know there's going to be people coming after me. Okay. So look, the Greek freak, like he's not even in his prime yet. Okay, like this, I don't think last year was his best. We saw what his prime could look like when he made 17 free throws in a pivotal game. It was game six of uh, the last year's NBA Finals against the Phoenix Suns, and nobody had the the Bucs going. I mean, I know maybe you two did, but everybody else was arguing with me, saying that the Suns are going to knock him off. CP3, it's his time. And as part of me, maybe wanted Chris Paul to win. Giannis said, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. He told DeAndre Ayton to his face, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. And he showed both sides of the, the, you know, defensively, offensively, make, coming up with blocks. He has an argument to win the MVP every single year. And I'm not ready to give him the best player of the year of, of, in the league right now. I'm probably going to give that to Kevin Durant. But I think my I may be able to say so at the end of this year when he wins the defensive player of the year. And he probably won't win MVP simply because of voters fatigue and all that good stuff but he's going to be undeniable this year. This is the Greek freak. This is his time. Um, LeBron, you held down the league for a long time, but Giannis is ready to take control. He's ready to become the face of the NBA, and he's going to he's gonna lead them to the, to the NBA finals when it's all said and done. Yeah, I didn't even mention Chris Middleton. He's a nice number two piece, and he knows his role. And if need be, if Giannis goes down, he can take over, and he can give you 40 points if he needs to. 
And you got Drew Holiday, who at times didn't look his best, but I do feel like he's going to come into his own a little bit more, a little bit more comfortable the second year in. And one thing with this team, they brought back nearly everybody that they had last year, just like the in football, you got the Buccaneers bringing everybody back, trying to run it back. That's exactly what the Bucs are going to do. They're a much more cohesive unit. Um, I understand the arguments for teams like the Nets and all these things, but the, the Bucs have continuing, like they have a continued system. They have a Giannis Antetokounmpo who's going to be a new acquisition next year because I feel like he's going to be even better. And the way he works, the way he can knock down a three when he needs to, I believe his free throws are going to get better. What what else can you ask? When you have the best player in the league, you, you should be favored. <laughs> and you deserve that benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting. And I, I know, Gary, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it right to you because you also in your predictions, it, we didn't even look at each other's predictions. We said, <laughs> hey, listen, here's the slots. We're going to fill in everything. And both you and Isaiah chose the Bucks to represent the East. You highlighted more about Giannis, whereas it is focused more on those surrounding pieces and the returning roster. Talk to me a little bit about what you like about Giannis's play going into this season. Can he really match or exceed what he did last year? So I think one of the things that is key to talk about the finals of last season is that Giannis almost missed it. He was hurt. He was playing games. He was going full, all out, scoring crazy amounts. I think he had 50 in the last game, and he was hurt. Think about what he can do against the team uh, with little to no inside presence in the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, they've gotten a couple of veterans off the waiver wire. They've gotten a bunch of guys in free agency. But at the end of the day, are you really going to trust LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin and Nick, and Nick Claxton to stop Giannis freaking Attentacumbo? I mean, even if he is a shade of what he was last season, just like a hair off, that last season he still averaged 28 points. He had 11 rebounds. He was shooting 56 57% from the field. And that's with him adding at least the ability to attempt a shot from three. You saw at the very beginning of his career, he was a little bit more willing to do it. He got a lot stronger. It took him a little bit longer to get that jump shot back, but he's at least confident to do it. And what Isaiah mentioned earlier, he shot 17 of 19 from the free throw line in the, in the finals last game. He makes them when they count. Um, the Nets are obviously going to be a big struggle for them. And in the West, you have uh, people like the Lakers and LeBron who aren't going to let them get off easy. You've got guys that are going to try and, you know, they're the number one team. They're going to have to have every single team coming at them every single night trying to prove something. And what we've seen, for, what we've seen from Giannis these past couple of years just shows grit. He shows that attitude. He's got the dog in him along with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. And I think an underrated pickup for them this offseason, they got Grayson Allen. And I know that guy isn't really popular among NBA fans as like a cool dude to root for. But if you watch him for like 10 minutes on an NBA court, you realize why the Bucs got him. They won that championship last season with toughness, grit, being in the underdogs. And if there's one thing that he brings to the table, it's another one of those. They've got Dante DiVincenzo back that they didn't have in the finals last year. They got Bobby Portis back. They're looking to make a run. Um you know, some acquisitions in the offseason that they had that people are a little hesitant on, like Semi Ojale coming from the Boston Celtics. But really, all you need him to do is hit threes and play defense. And that's what this Bucks team needs. That's what this Bucks team needs. And I just think it would be really silly to count out the defending champions as a title contender. I see a lot of these people going online talking about, oh, what about the Nets? 
what about this team? What about that team? And we're forgetting that the Bucks took them to seven games. Yes, they were hurt, but let's be honest, are the Nets ever going to re- be really fully healthy, especially with Kyrie Irving possibly missing half the season? Will they even get to play them other than in the Western Conference Finals? Last season, they were able to meet in the semi semifinals, but you know, we have a team here in the Milwaukee Bucks that could really start this flow of will Giannis become a top 15, top 10 player of all time? He's 26. He has two MVPs, I believe two defensive player of the year awards. And um, yeah, just absolutely insane how good this guy is at such a young age. And like he's like Isaiah said earlier, he's not even in his prime yet. He's 26. Give him like two, three years when the game slows down to him at a level that it already is. It's almost in slow-mo now. He's over here. He added the hook shot. He added little dinkers and dumpers that Antoine Jameson used to say about, um, you know, he's got those things that guys at that level need to just score buckets in the postseason. They need a 1v1 post-scoring guy to just get him into the paint, and Giannis brings that to the Bucks. and I think it would be silly to count them out of any titles conversation. Yeah, and you guys both made really good points, but I'm going to tell you guys why I believe the Brooklyn Nets, they were a popular favorite last year as the NBA champions fell short. This was a big three of Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant that were supposedly going to break the league with a super team of their own, and no one was going to be able to stop them. They added Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, all these other big-name profiles, and it just – came tumbling down we saw the heart scare with Aldridge luckily he's coming back this season Blake Griffin also coming back we don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving everything that I've seen in the last few weeks makes me feel like and I have no sources for this other than what I've heard and what I've read but I do believe that Kyrie Irving is eventually going to cave in and he knows how much he's costing this Brooklyn Nets team I do believe that there's an influence with Kevin Durant for Kyrie Irving to take this COVID-19 vaccine. I'm not going to put my political stance on it. I know it's not a political show, but <laughs> even without Kyrie Irving, we still have track records, very, very small track records from last season on what the team was able to do without James Harden, what they were able to do without Kevin Durant, what they were able to do without Kyrie Irving, what they were able to do when only one of them was playing, two of them were playing, all three of them were playing. So here's a couple of the numbers that I win and I found. During the stretch of all three players playing, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, James Harden, this was a team that was 5-2. Five 5-2 and two. Five and two is a very, very small sample size when now you're talking about a full regular season, possible seven-game series. You never know what's going to happen with injuries. These are players that all have had injury histories in the past. But at the same time, they're 4-6 and six without James Harden. James Harden, when he's missing – is the only big piece in which this team has a losing record from last season. So you go into it, they're 2-0 and without Kyrie Irving when James Harden and Kevin Durant are both playing no Kyrie Irving. And then you're also getting 16-3 and without Kevin Durant in that lineup, and you have Kyrie Irving and James Harden. So you look at all of these numbers where just two of the guys are playing, and we sort of need to prepare for no Kyrie Irving, right? Because there's no other way to think about it because Kevin Durant – Based on what we saw in the playoffs last year, based on what we saw from Olympic play, based on everything that we are reading and everything that we are seeing on social media nowadays, Kevin Durant is his right, has a very, very valid case for being the best player in the world. And this comes from a Lakers fan. I love LeBron James. You know what I mean? I, I grew up a Kobe guy, though. But right now, 
Kevin Durant, I believe, is the best player in the NBA. And even when you're, you know, shutting down Kevin Durant, there's so many other opportunities. If Blake Griffin can stay healthy, if LaMarcus Aldridge can even do half of what he's supposed to do, we all know, like I said, with the heart scare, he's not going to be required to play a whole lot of minutes. But this is a team also that went out in free agency. They signed Patty Mills. Patty Mills is a great veteran player that's coming over from the Spurs from before with Greg Popovich. So this is a team that's very interesting to me. That's why I said in my segment, I believe that the Brooklyn Nets are going to come out on top, even without Kyrie Irving <laughs> playing half the games. But I do feel like at this point, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the season. Fans are becoming very anxious because time is running out quicker than they believe for Kyrie Irving on his decision on whether he's going to play home games or not. Um, and the only way to do that is to comply with the New York you know, restrictions right now with the vaccine. And to bring, expand on your point with the Nets, I really do think that uh, a lot of people do underrate their offseason acquisition of Patty Mills, especially. He was a rock over there for the Spurs for a while. The only, the only thing I would bring up uh, in defense or I guess – not in defense, but um, against the Brooklyn Nets, is I'm looking at their roster right now. They've got a bunch of good guys. Joe Harris, James Harden, Patty Mills, um, Blake Griffin, Claxton, Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, LaMarcus Aldridge. These guys are great offensive players, but I, I really do think that unless Steve Nash can implement a scheme and unless Kevin Durant, who funnily enough is their best defender, if they don't bring it up on the defensive end of the court. This team might have a tough time in the regular season getting to the one seed to get that home court advantage that they need, especially against a bunch of young teams in the NBA who are hungry and looking to prove something as well as against the, uh, the higher arcs in the NBA East with the 76ers being a very good defensive team, the Miami Heat looking to be a very good defensive team, as well as the Bucks having possibly the best defender on the planet in Giannis. Yeah, and it's an interesting point too, right? Because defense has always been an issue, especially when you're getting to the older rosters, right? Because you got to keep up with this new fast-paced offense that teams such as the Warriors or, you know, a bunch of other teams tend to run. Um, but at the same time, this is a team that is very efficient in adapting to today's three-point game. So even if they're the Nets are interesting because I feel like they almost play to outscore teams and just overwhelm the teams as well. This was a team that last season uh, ranked third in team percentage when it came from beyond the arc. And Patty Mills, for example, is coming in with a career average from deep of 38.8%. So he's definitely going to be helping in terms of just a veteran presence. Not that this is a team that needs veteran presence, right? Because like Gary said, there's so many veterans between Griffin Kevin Durant. I mean, these are all guys, by the way, that have NBA finals experience. So this is an interesting. I think you guys are right on the money, too. I don't think that it's going to be a very distant race. I think these are both teams that are going to end up in the top three, top four for their respective seeds, barring any injuries. And this could very well be a two horse race. I know we didn't really plan for this, but are there are there teams that you guys are sort of looking at at the East? that you think could creep up on that top three, like just off the top of your heads? I would be remiss to mention Miami, but I think Isaiah should should definitely talk about his Knicks here because <laughs> I, know he's, I know he's championing them a little bit. Um, I'm not quite sure I agree, but I, I want to let you get your take out. Well, so the Knicks, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as – I'm a toxic Knicks fan. I'm not going to go ahead and claim the NBA finals this year, but I, 
I could claim a top four spot in the in the uh, in the Eastern Conference for sure. Um, based off what I'm seeing, like as far as Tom Thibodeau goes, when we talk about defense, if even if you're not a good defender, you're gonna play defense <laughs> when Tom Thibodeau is your coach. Um, and you know, you got you see the preseason play right now. Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier have, have just slipped in perfectly into this offense. I know it's only a few games. Um, but there's one thing this Knicks team has that I probably would say maybe more than any other team in the NBA is grit every night, even in postseason, you're seeing, I'm sorry, even in preseason, you're seeing Julius, uh, you're seeing these guys rack up 25 minutes a game. Um, and you know, I get kind of nervous as I want these guys to be healthy and fully ready to go. But Tibbs is like, no, look, we're preparing for a full season, full game shape. It's nothing. There's no babying in this, on this team. Um, and Kemba Walker, he looks like he's at least a piece of his former self, Kyrie, who um, when he's playing, he, <laughs> he, he takes it to the hoop. Um, and of course, RJ Barrett, man, RJ Barrett is just, he, I saw him do a movie. It came, it was a missed layup at the end of the drive, but he went left and he went right. He went right. And he, he brought out these new animations. Like he was into my career for NBA 2K and he was looking at the store and picking different ones and he's trying them out now. And he's looking to impose himself, which is something I've never really seen him do in the previous years as he's been here. Um, and one thing about him is he, you know, like he's only 21 years old. <laughs> okay. So it's not like we're talking about a guy that we're talking about a, an advanced, somebody called him the other day, an advanced prospect. If this was baseball, like he's already like a top three, top two prospect. He's just ready. All it takes is just a little bit of imposing himself, a little bit more confidence a little bit more of a bag and he's showing it early on in this preseason. And that is not just a piece. That is the piece in my opinion for us to go any further than we did last season. I'm not ready to claim us an NBA finals team yet, but I am saying we're going to scare somebody in the playoffs this year. And that's for darn sure. And I, and, and hot take, we're getting out of the first round <laughs> for you, for, for you. I hope, I really hope your first round matchup is against the Hawks. I really do. I do want to see a rematch of that from last me year. Me too. I want to see how much VC RJ Barrett spent in the offseason. These NBA guys get paid a lot of money. Um, you know, they can they can support Ronnie 2K all they want. Um, yeah, the, the Knicks are looking decent. I, I like their offseason acquisitions of Fournier and, and Kemba, even if Kemba isn't what he used to be. Um, that team struggled getting the ball in the basket when it mattered last year, especially at the end of the playoffs. If it wasn't Julius Randle, it was who like it, Alec Burks they had to count on for a couple games there I really do think that the acquisitions of Fournier and, and Kemba will open up the offense a little bit more and I mean you guys finished in the fourth seed last year if you guys can expand on that Tibbs will ring out like a towel every time the win he can get from his team so you know hats <laughs> yes. off to hats off the Tibbs for actually doing something with with the Knicks I but you know <laughs> Somebody needed to have it done. This, this smile has never existed when talking about the Knicks. Just a year ago, <laughs> if we're talking about the Knicks. I'm like, okay, so what's the next topic? <laughs> so, you know, this is such a breath of fresh air. Come on, we, we got to admit, the NBA is better when the Knicks are relevant, right? NBA is better when the Knicks are relevant. <laughs> but I will say, I cannot, I can't lie. It was fun clowning Kevin Knox for a while and Frankie Smokes. So, you know. <clears throat> You, you got off them. You're good now. You can leave those behind you. It's 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 a long long way away, but uh, you know you guys got a good future ahead of you, especially with um, quickly though too. Oh yes, I love IQ. <laughs> <laughs>
I do want to talk to you guys too because we just mentioned the East, and I'm reflecting back on this article that the three of us all worked on. You guys can check it out over at theathleteshub.org. Uh, we also have it on our Facebook. We also have it on our Twitter. Be sure to check the bottom ticker for our socials. A lot of great content coming out every single day. But in the West is I got to start with you because I was sitting there. I'm thinking, all right, I got to choose something that neither one of these guys are taking. I took the most predictable answer in the East with the Nets representing them. And so I go, all right, well, the Jazz did pretty well last year. You know, they finished as the top seed. They they did what they had to do. They just fell short. And I wasn't really expecting, even with the way that they performed last year, for any of you guys to go out and claim them as the winners of the West. So talk to me a little bit about why you like the West, and I'll sort of share what I was thinking. Well, with winning the West, I mean, I was when we were talking about that, I was really hesitant. Like, I wanted to go with Golden State. Um, just because I feel like, you know, everybody knows that the Warriors are going to be good next year, at least a playoff team. It's just a matter of how good are they going to be next year. Um, and I believe with with Clay Thompson coming back, we're going to see that super team return. And it's going to be, you know, like I was just talking about with the Milwaukee Bucks having cohesiveness and being a team that's a well, you know, together. Um, I really feel like we're going to see that again. It's just, He's just going to slip right in there. It gives, and I, I believe he's coming back for around Christmas time. That's when they're expecting Clay Thompson to be back. So that gives them plenty of time to uh, come up with a plan and 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 have uh, Kaminga and Moody come along well. Um, of course, you got Wiseman coming. You know, the one thing the Warriors didn't have during that dynasty, they never really had a decent center. They, they you know they had McGee who could do his thing here and there. They had uh, you know they had a few scrappy guys down along the way, but I think Wiseman is the real deal. I mean, he's got the size; he has to be the real deal. He walks onto the court and he's a real deal. It's just a matter of what else can he do for you. Um, he's got the athleticism, um, so I think he's somebody to really look at as a key. And I didn't even mention Andrew Wiggins; he's not a guy that that's going to be your first or your second option, but as a third option with all the space that he's going to have with Clay Thompson and Steph Curry there. It's, his job is going to be so much easier. He did well even with pressure last season when Curry really needed him as his second uh, as his second man to show up. Um, and I didn't even mention Draymond Green. Draymond Green's not going to have to worry too much about the front court. If Wiseman could lift that weight, Draymond Green could be Draymond Green. Just do your thing. Fight the guys down low. Uh, pass it out to Curry. Pass it out to Clay. And I want to say pass it out to Wiggins eventually. Um, everybody knows Golden State's going to be good. But I just don't think people realize how good they're going to be. I could almost, I definitely see them being at least maybe a top four seed next year. So, yeah, and it's interesting, right? So, I, for my prediction over in the West, I do believe that out of all the teams in the West, I deemed the Jazz actually as the most stable because not only do they retain a lot of the roster, which does include uh, Mike Conley. But at the same time, this was a team that ranked number two in rebounding, which is becoming more of a more an emphasis on today's game. You need that big guy. You need Rudy Gobert. As much as people and analysts like to clown him for not being an elite superstar or someone that can hit an outside shot, like, you know, that you can trust with Anthony Davis, for example, or maybe Joel Embiid once in a while. Um, this was a team that went out. They added Hassan Whiteside. So not only are they number two in rebounding, but you just added another big man. Plus you brought in Rudy Gay. So this is a team that I think 
And I know Gary, he's going to talk to me in a few minutes about why he thinks my Lakers. And I, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to relax. He can talk to me all day long about why he thinks my Lakers and, you know, Russell Westbrook, of all people, is going to go out and lead them to a championship this year. But, yeah, I think the Jazz, out of all the teams that I look at in this Western Conference picture, they're the most stable. They're the safest pick right now. So in my predictions of the Nets versus the Jazz, I eventually have – the Nets winning, and you can see it all about it in the athletesub.org. But I do believe that this is two safe picks, and I, I feel very confident, especially about the Jazz's chances to at least reach the Western Conference Finals this year. But yeah, Gary, um, I'm definitely interested because I read your segment, and it was um, it, it made me feel good inside, you know what I mean? But talk to me a little <laughs> bit about how you feel like the Lakers have good chances this year. So honestly, the Lakers have LeBron. Like, that's it. Like, I mean, really, though, he's gone to the finals uh, so many times. I believe it's uh, 10 now, you know, that the he's won, he's won enough to give him the respect to get there. You know, we can't give him – we can't tell him that he's not going to make it. He's going to prove us all wrong. They've got Anthony Davis, and they've got Russell Westbrook, who is not only looking to prove something for L.A., he's from there, he's looking to make a good, good stance. you got something to prove for his career. He's coming back from a disappointing year, a couple of them actually, where you know he's been getting a lot of hate, he's been getting a lot of criticism, and what better place to redeem your career than for the Los Angeles Lakers, especially with LeBron James. I mean, he has not done very well at all in the preseason, but it is the preseason. If we were going to go straight off of that, Trey Young would have been a bust and nobody ever would be good. So we have to give them a little bit of a – of a pass in terms of that because they're an older team, but you bring back Dwight Howard, you acquire people like Malik Monk. And unfortunately today, Taylor Horton Tucker went underwent surgery for um, a torn ligament on his right hand, which is going to set them back in their depth in that part of the lineup. But the Lakers, you always have to have as a team that are going to get there. They're going to spend the money and they're going to get guys at the end of the trade deadline. They're going to trade for who they can, and they're going to get guys off of the waiver, they're going to get the buyout guys that are waiting right at the end. People that aren't happy on their team, maybe a Kevin Love, maybe some guys like that. Maybe you have um, Derek Favors in Oklahoma City who decides he wants out, spend the last of his career actually on a good team. And you never know. These, this Lakers team could go all the way. And the, it starts with LeBron and it starts with Anthony Davis. But for them to win this year, we need to see Anthony Davis bring back that defensive player of the year mentality that he has. Because this whole, am I a four? Am I a five? What position do I play? If they don't figure that out and if they don't sit down and find out, okay, this is how we're going to set these lineups. We need to have cohesiveness. We need to have chemistry. Because at the end of the year, the moment Anthony Davis went out, they were they were toast against the Suns. And he's the key. And of course, it's LeBron James, but I really do think that Anthony Davis will be the key factor for the Lakers to win this year. And if I'm looking at the West, I just see I see a bunch of injuries. I see, you know, Luka Doncic, of course, in in, in Dallas has to be mentioned when it comes to competitors and people that are going to play up to the level of a championship team when it counts. But are we <laughs> going to count Chris Stapps on doing that and Chris Stapps on even staying healthy? Are we going to uh, count in Jamal Murray on having a good year? Uh, or the Nets having a good year without Jamal Murray. Are we going to count Utah being, you know, if they if they break down in the middle of the year, if they have one injury to Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert, how much does their team change? I really do think the Lakers with their depth, 
with the amount of star power that they have. And just looking around the West, I didn't even mention the Clippers who won't have Kawhi probably the entire season. We have to look at this team as, yes, they're very, very, very good, but you need to look around the rest of the league to see, okay, the, the window opened even more for them because of the injuries to star players and because of how inconsistent a lot of these teams are. There's not a team that's as deep in the West as the Lakers. And I think for the first time, we might be able to say that the East is stronger than the West. Yeah. It's, in a long time, at least. Yeah, that's really possible. And I guess my question back would be, so here's the two contradicting points that I've sort of been reading, and this is why I shied away mm-hmm. from the Lakers, was the, the stat that everybody loves is out of everybody's usage rate, right, usage rate, who has the ball in their hands when it matters the most. LeBron James and Russell Westbrook have two of the five highest usage ratings, not only in the current NBA, NBA history, in the history of the league, these guys have the ball in their hands when it matters most. But then the contradicting point becomes, I read about a week ago that Anthony Davis was being told by teammates and the coaching staff that this is his team. And I remember this narrative going on last year. This was the whole entire pitch of bringing Anthony Davis in and then also extending Anthony Davis to a long-term contract was LeBron was going to say, hey, listen, this is my last chapter. This is your team. Like, I'm here to pass you the ball. And you see it all the time. Anthony Davis, you know, ISO situations down in the paint. You know, everybody's going to stay away on the other side of the court. So I wonder if the addition of Russell Westbrook is actually going to help because we know how tremendously bad he's been this preseason. I know Gary says it's preseason, and I saw actually today LeBron James said he doesn't care about the preseason, and Russell Westbrook in an interview said, I don't care how many turnovers I have. It's a good thing it doesn't count. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I think the Lakers are playing a very relaxed approach right now. I think they'll be fine, but I do wonder how the addition of Russell Westbrook is going to affect this team. Obviously, you know, he's a triple-double machine. We all know about that. Uh, A couple MVPs under his belt, but at the same time, there's going to be consequences in some of these games. You know, the Lakers didn't do themselves any favors by not adding three-point shooters during the offseason. They just brought in a bunch of guys that can shoot from the perimeter. They can go get the ball. They can play a bit of defense. This was a team that exceeded expectations defensively, regardless of the fact that they had, I believe now it's like 10 players over the age of 30 going into this season. Um, So this is an interesting team, but what do you think, Gary? Do you think this is going to be a team that benefits off of Westbrook, or do you think it hinders them a little bit? I do think that Westbrook has a little bit to learn with the with the Lakers. I know that LeBron James really likes that point guard, small forward, um, pick and roll. Uh, fun fact, Russell Westbrook has some of the lowest screen set. He, I think he averaged one, if not less, screen like set screen per game for any other player. He's not willing to do that in his game, and unless he does – LeBron James isn't going to be happy with him on the court, but I really do think that we look at this preseason with Westbrook and we're sitting there thinking, okay, he's got 14 turnovers and two games or 16 turnovers in two games. You got to think about it the same way that you look at practice in the NFL. You're going to test some coverages. You're going to throw the ball deep in practice. And however many reporters come out and say, oh, this guy threw three interceptions in practice today. They're tying things out. This is an old team. This is a team that isn't going to practice very often because they know that their practice is the regular season. We can't look at the regular season for this team as a definitive answer because when it comes to the playoffs, we know that LeBron can put it on another level. We know that Russell Westbrook can have his 20 points, 20 rebounds, 20 assist games, and we know how dominant Anthony Davis can be. And I really do think that 
we might need to look at this season and the regular season as a test run for the Lakers. That being said, they're really freaking good. I really, I really think people are kind of asking too many questions when it comes to who's going to be the dog on this team, who's going to be the leader. It could be a multiple leader situation where you have multiple voices in the locker room with um, LeBron and, and Russell and, um, you know, Anthony Davis might not be the vocal guy in the locker room, but in terms of the 82 game regular season, they need the younger Anthony Davis to go out there and put up the numbers so that he doesn't have to rely on LeBron and Russell Westbrook at their age to put up those 20, 30, 40 point games uh, in game 62 on a Thursday night. Anthony Davis being the head of this team really means that they're going to be the one that lean. He's going to be the one they lean on for most of the regular season. But I think towards the playoffs, you're going to see LeBron James with the ball in his hand at the end of the games. Of course, he might pass out to the guy um, like they did against the Nuggets in the bubble. But I really do think that uh, for the key, the key for the Lakers success is Anthony Davis being a focal point of the offense leading that defense during the regular season and then picking his spots in the playoffs when they need him so that he doesn't overexert himself. He's got injury history. Same thing goes for a lot of the players on the Lakers. There's injury histories there. So they need to take it easy. But that being said, I do still think that they have the firepower and the stick to to just kind of push through, get their spot in the West and finish with that one seed. Because if there's anything that is a home court advantage, it's playing in Los Angeles in the playoffs. That stadium is insane. Staples centers goes crazy. And uh, I'm ready to see a Russell Westbrook dunk over some random NBA center. Uh, and for every single highlight page to just promote the hell out of it. I'm, I'm ready for it. You see, I, I just had to say, right. One thing that sticks out to me when I hear them saying that, look, Anthony Davis, this is your team. And it, that's probably what they want this situation to be. But I'm seeing like an identity crisis going on with the Lakers right now. Is it Westbrook? Is it Westbrook going to be holding the ball? Is it LeBron? Or no, we need Anthony Davis to take over. And but what I what really sticks out last year during the playoffs, right? They asked Chris Paul, what was the most important piece of the Phoenix Suns? And he said, who? DeAndre Ayton which everybody's like, he's crazy. He's out of his mind. Like it's either Devin Booker or it's CP3. But the reason why he said that, it was like trying to give a little bit of a confidence boost. Like we need Aiton to be a big piece. So Aiton's hearing that like, oh man, you know, CP3, like I'm, this is my team. Like I need him to step up. So that's what it is. I think that it is with Anthony Davis. It's not his team yet. <laughs> you know, they want it to be his team. They want him to take control. And I think saying that is just trying to give him that confidence boost. And the one thing that concerns me with Westbrook, you know, talking about he has things to prove. What is he going to prove? Is he going to prove that it's his team? Is he going to prove that he can be a team player, which is that's what I believe Devin is holding his breath for. Hopefully he can be a distributor and isn't trying to be the hero of that team. Or is he trying to say, look, this is my league. You know, I grew up a Lakers fan. I'm from here. This is my team. And I'm not sure. I really feel like Westbrook believes that in his heart, like this is his team, regardless of what he's going to do out there in the back of his mind. He's like, okay, when is my moment to shine right now? <laughs> you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but there is something wrong with that. When we're talking about playoffs, I almost certainly do not see them taking the top seat. <laughs> That's how I just feel about it when it comes, especially health issues and identity crisis. It's going to be a rough patch. I think, um, you know, they're definitely, of course, they're going to be in the playoffs. There's no question about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's an identity crisis. They don't even know whose team it is. They're trying to put it onto Anthony Davis's shoulders. 
I don't know if he's ready for that. I mean, like you said, he's not the vocal leader. Perhaps they want him to be. That's why they're trying to push it on to him. Um, I, yeah, just an identity crisis. I don't think you could get to the NBA Finals with an identity crisis. you got to know what you are. And I don't think they're a finals team. Not right now. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Bo- both great points. You know what I mean? And this is stuff that's going to get figured out in the upcoming weeks. We'll be here every single Monday, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, on the dot, unless Facebook goes back down, then who knows what's going to happen. But I do want to jump into some surprise teams because this is something that we've talked about really off the air for the most part about teams that we think, hey, people are writing this specific team off or this specific player off. So, is I'll bounce it right back to you. What's a team over in the Eastern Conference that you think isn't getting enough respect right now and should be considered a legitimate playoff team? Now, I'm not going to go as far as saying respect because <laughs> you probably shouldn't respect this team as a top playoff team. But one team that I rarely see brought up in the playoff conversation is the Wizards. And I understand why they just lost Russell Westbrook. They just, you know, who do they really have? They got Al Kuzma. That's your second banana, right? What are we doing here? But when you look at it, one thing that that team has is depth. Okay. They got Montrez Harrell as your six man, probably as a former six man of the year. Uh, you got Kyle Kuzma. He's proven not to be a good number three guy, perhaps not even a number two guy. Um, but when I see Bradley Beal, I don't think he's that type of guy to like impose his will like a LeBron would. So it's going to allow Kuzma to have a little bit of freedom. Um, and you're going to see him rack up some numbers. And of course, you got Daniel Gafford at center, starting center, and he's young. He's an ascending talent. Um, the one thing you could probably use some more playmaking on that team, but I believe the Wizards, they're going to be at least a seventh or eighth seed going into that year. Um, they remind me a lot of going into this year with the New York Knicks last season. That was my expectations. I didn't really see much, but you got one leader, uh, in this case, Bradley Beal, and then you have some depth. I mean, you could argue they have two decent teams on their side. You got Denny Advatia. I didn't practice his name, but you got him as a backup guy uh, right, right behind Kuzma. You got KCP. So you got some shooting. You have some defense. All that you really need is some grit on that team. And I think that's enough to scrap and claw their way to an eighth or a seventh seed. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting them to probably finish near the bottom of the of the conference. But I really don't think so. I think Bradley Beal is going to show his value this year, assuming they don't trade him or whatever the case is. But if he's on the Wizards for the entire season, you're going to see them in the playoffs. You know, And I do think that – sorry, you go for it. No, I was just going to say, one point that I found really interesting, I remember during the summer uh, we were talking a lot about – I remember Russell Westbrook specifically saying um, he was basically recruiting for Bradley Beal to request that trade. You guys remember that? About yeah. The whole entire yes. – controversy on whether Bradley Beal was going to leave the Wizards like and Bradley Beal is just sitting there like I never requested a trade in the first place just because Russell Westbrook went ahead and did it doesn't mean I'm going to go ahead and do it so I found it really interesting that Bradley Beal given the structure of the current roster because is can say all day that this is a team that has depth Kyle Kuzma as a Lakers fan you are absolutely dead to me I cannot stand (laughs) Kyle Kuzma Montrezl Harrell He's a, he's a bit of a headache. I've watched this guy, you know, perform. But he just wasn't put in the right role. Um, but it, it is a team that has plenty of pieces. They can win a few games. But, yeah, Gary, go ahead. What's your take on the Wizards right now? Um, I think you're forgetting a big acquisition. They got Spencer Dinwiddie in the offseason. Yes. I, I know he was doing pretty well in the Nets there before he got hurt. Um, he looks to be their starting point guard, of course. I, I wouldn't ever start Ish Smith over him. So having Spencer Dinwiddie there is going to be a key part in getting Bradley Beal the ball, getting the point guard duties away from him so that it's just not a Bradley Beal bouncing the ball for 20 seconds show. 
Um, and yeah, I, I did want to also say you having the PTSD about Kyle Kuzma. Um, you mentioned Hassan Whiteside with the Jazz. I almost screamed. <laughs> I, I don't. I remember. I, I remember back then when he played for the Heat, having the conversation of who's better, him or Rudy Gobert. And now I feel stupid even thinking that. Yeah. So it, it's you know. But the Wizards do have that the look of a team that if the pieces fall right, if Bradley Beal can still average 30 points, you get the good pieces off the bench, you get some good defense, and you get play from Denny Avdia, you could definitely have uh, a, um, a pretty good contender there for the play-in play in the East. Yeah, and then so, Gary, talk to me a little bit about your surprise team over in the Eastern Conference. All right, so um, I fell in love with LaMelo Ball last season, especially, of course, his playmaking, but also just like his improvement throughout the entire season uh, playing for the Charlotte Hornets just made me really appreciate that part of basketball, the, the natural-born passer, the natural-born scorer who can go out there. He's 6'6". He's going to score. He's going to pass. He's going to get everybody open. He makes all the players around him better. And there's another player on that team that I think is the key for this team to really open up that play-in spot, maybe get into the seven or six seed in the East, and that's Gordon Hayward. They were a winning team with him on the court last season, and when he got hurt, they became a losing one. He's super crucial to their success. He averaged almost 20 points per game. He shot 41% from three on five attempts. You've got some new acquisitions in Kelly Oubre, who although had a down season in uh, Golden State, he fits the way that the Hornets play a little bit better. They need some guys that are going to cut. They need some guys who are going to be not afraid to take an open shot. That's why Terry Rozier was able to be so successful with them last year. You pair that up with guys like Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, and I really do think they have a play-in team there. Um, I'm pretty high on some of the rookies as well. I like J.T. Thor coming out of college. Um, Book Knight has done incredible in the preseason. He had a nasty dunk the other night. Um, I just think that if you are going to talk about those fringe playoff teams, those play-in teams and teams that can get there, if LaMelo Ball is able to make that jump along with a Gordon Hayward staying healthy, the entire team around that ecosystem is going to thrive with the two of them passing the ball as openly passers as they are. And at the same time, I, I really do think that they have what it takes, especially how good they're coached. I, I have to give them that as well. So. Yeah, I, I really do think that the Hornets have a at least a legitimate chance to make that 7-8 seed, um, even as far as 6 if the pieces land right for him. And it really all depends on if LaMelo Ball can make a second jump uh, like he showed at the second part of last season. Yeah, and that's another good point, too. I remember me and you specifically were, during our prep day, we were bouncing back and forth, and you were like, oh, who's your surprise team in the East, just to make sure we didn't overlap at all. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, I think I'm going to go with the Hornets. And you're like, oh, man, like the Hornets <laughs> were your team. But, yeah, that was insane. Um, I, I was surprised by the Hornets last year. I know a lot of people um, were hard on Lonzo coming out of his respective draft class, and he sort of fell short during his early stint with the Lakers. But it seemed like – as soon as the Hornets drafted LaMelo ball and all this hype was placed onto him, everyone sort of just fell into this narrative of, uh, well, he's not going to live up to expectations. I think he exceeded the expectations last year. I know it was between him and Anthony Edwards for that rookie of the year. I personally never thought that Anthony Edwards was ever within reach of grabbing that regardless of the number of games that LaMelo missed due to injury. I always thought this was LaMelo balls 
race to lose. And I never thought at any point in that season that he was even close to losing it. Yeah, I really do think that that level of play that LaMelo showed, even with the games missed, he still had that moment of this guy is just so incredible. He's so good. And no matter how many points Anthony Edwards can score and no matter how many times he dunks on Yuta Watanabe, he is going to win that Rookie of the Year award. Um, yeah. he, he's just so good. Uh, it really comes down to he's got a great feel for the game. And um, you got to hand it really to LeVar for calling it. <laughs> he's, a, he's a fortune teller. He's like one of those coin slots you put in like an old, uh, you know, arcade machine with the dude with the crystal ball. <laughs> right there. He's got the big hat yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. He's over here predicting both of his sons. And I know you're going to talk about it a little later, uh, Devin, but you've got a you're pretty high on um, on Lonzo this year, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk about it right now. This was a team, the Chicago Bulls, that finished with a 40 and 42 record last year. For some people, that was actually better than what they even expected. I think not only are they going to avoid the play-in tournament, I think they're going to be sitting pretty with a nice top five seed going into this upcoming season. I really do think the addition of Lonzo Ball, we've seen it already in preseason play. This is a team that normally when you add a superstar to, and yeah, I'm calling Lonzo Ball a superstar. When we add Lonzo <laughs> Ball to this team, he is gelling so quickly like you expect time to happen you expect the dynamics to be going uh, it's going to take a little bit of time to make this happen but at the same time lonzo already in preseason play i don't even need to tell you about zach levine in the career year he had last year finished seventh in three pointers per game granted clay thompson easily could have been in that top six bumping levine down a spot but this is a career year for zach levine and it's makes me scratch my head a little bit on why I'm trying to figure out why the Bulls haven't signed this man to a max extension, especially after last year. Maybe they think, ah, that was a fluke, or we just want to get every single dollar's worth. They're trying to figure out the structure of their team moving forward. But Zach Levine, I believe coming off of this year, is going to be one of the most underrated players in the NBA just because of the team's lack of history in recent years in the playoffs and their lack of playoff success. But at the same time, I, I love what – this team has done. Um, they went out, they added Alex Caruso for 37 million. They added Daniel Tice for 36 million. And we're not going to forget about DeMar DeRozan for a whopping 83 million. This is a team that is sort of like the knockoff of like the Nets, I feel like, where they added a bunch of like really good names. And now you just need to see whether or not it's going to work out. But yeah, Gary's right. I absolutely love Lonzo Ball going into this year. I love DeMar DeRozan going into this year. And I love, love, love Zach Levine going into this year. I think he's going to have a career year to go on top of the career year he just had. You see, I, I going into the preseason, I kind of felt that, that I, I think I even told you, I said, look, they're going to surprise you too, but I think it's going to be in a different way than you're Oh, expecting. I remember. I remember <laughs> you telling me that. And I remember I, getting clowned on. Yep. Yes. And I'm honestly not over that position yet, even with what we're seeing in the preseason. I just want to see how they can put it together for a full course season um, because that's a lot of pieces to put together. And, and, you know, not a lot of shooting. You got DeMar DeRozan in there. I mean, they could shoot, but not a lot of three-point shooters. But like you said, Zach Levine, if he comes through, and and I think he is. You said he could be the, one of the most underrated players in the league. I think he already is. I mean, he can do pretty much everything. He may not be the greatest defender, but he can be the perfect guy. And Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine is a marriage made in heaven. Like that's Those are the two right there that could really work together really well. 
Um, I predicted Lonzo Ball being a superstar years ago. Um, so, you know, and Devin, you'll remember that. So, I remember. Uh, I remember. <laughs> yes. yes. So I think it could be a, a good, a good uh, functioning team down the line. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. I'm not going to stray away from that, but I will say my argument's looking a little bleak with how they looked in the preseason. You got all the pieces working. It's just, can they keep working over the course of a full season? I'm not so sure uh, what happens when there's an injury to somebody. Are they going to be able to adjust? It's like they just put a bunch of pieces together and just said, let's, hey, let's see, let's see how this rolls. Um, if they can make it work, yes, we're probably talking about a top five seed. Um, I'm just not ready to give them that yet. One thing with me, it's going to be very consistent on these shows. I like cohesive lists. I like I like to see a well-oiled machine, not just throw a bunch of pieces together and let's see what happens. It usually doesn't work out. <laughs> it is. I'll tell you right now, I'm oiling up the bandwagon in the back right now. I'm keeping <laughs> your spot nice and warm for when you're ready to hop on it. But, yeah, this is, this is a team that I'm really excited about and – like you said, this was a couple of weeks ago. This was before preseason basketball even started. We were just coming up with the idea of the show. And just on paper and, you know, what I sort of saw on the depth chart, this was a team I was really excited to watch over in the Eastern Conference. And their preseason play makes me 10 times more excited for it. Oh, they're, they've been absolutely astounding in the preseason. Their first game, they absolutely wept the floor with the team. They've got co uh, contributions off the bench. Um, I've been watching Io do Dasumu? Ayo Dasumu. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I do not want to get that wrong. I feel very badly. Um, I have a very hard to pronounce name, so I, I empathize. Um, but you watched him against the Cavs last, uh, the other night. He was able to put up a little floater in the lane to bring him up by one right at the end of the game under a minute left, and then he did it again. He got his way into the paint, did a little head fake, put the ball up, got it in the basket, put the put the bulls up by two, I believe. And uh, I, I mean, it's, if they can get some consistent production out of their bench, if they can get those guys to really thrive, I, I don't see anybody really messing with the bulls in terms of ball movement and that side of the court uh, defensively is where they have to have their issue where, where their issues are really. Um, I've never really seen uh, Vucevic hold it down, down low like that. Um, although he's like an incredible pick and roll, pick and pop partner for Lonzo and, and Zach Levine. Um, it really, it depends on how Lonzo is going to be able to, you know, be that first line of defense for the Bulls, because while they're going to be running out in transition, the only way to get those transition bus buckets is to get a stop on the defensive end. So in, unless they're able to get there and be a, at least an average defensive team, they're going to have to struggle. They're going to struggle on the transition side of the ball a little bit much, but I really think that what we've seen from this preseason, the Bulls look very promising. And DeMar DeRozan can't be underrated. He was the only reason that the Spurs were even in it last year in terms of a playoff race. And you know, when you've got a guy like that who, when the offense breaks down and you need somebody to just get in there, get in the paint, get a little bucket, maybe shoot a little floater, maybe shoot a mid-range shot, step back. DeMar DeRozan's your guy, and I see their offensive struggles kind of diminished because of DeMar DeRozan and his ability to, in the half court, make those plays, especially with Vooch being a post presence. The dude just walks into 20 and 10. So you can almost pencil him down for that this year, especially with no other rebounder really on the court for the Bulls. So look for Vucevic to be a, a huge part of the Bulls. Their uh, ball movement to be huge about it, and Lonzo Ball to be – I mean, I believe, uh, Devin, you talked about him being an all-star this year. So, you know, I hope you're right. 
Absolutely. Not just an all-star. Superstar. Superstar, superstar status. We yeah, need him. You can clip you're... that. You can clip that and remember that for the end of the year. Oh, I will. <laughs> if I if I were to make a bet with you right now, would you say that Lonzo Ball will be on an All NBA team? I'm not saying. I'm saying defensive or regular. Would you give him that? I I would highly contemplate with the team that he has right now. I would contemplate mm -hmm. taking that. I I think Lonzo has a very good shot at doing it, especially when you look at the current state of the point guards i know it's very early in the preseason but we're already seeing guys like trey young deal with their own injuries we're seeing so some people you never know what can happen in the nba and that's what i love about the nba i do think lonzo ball is set up for a career year when it comes to assists i think the pick and roll is definitely going to come into effect um but yeah i would i would gladly at least contemplate taking it i don't know if i can right now on the mm -hmm. spot but this is a guy who is right up there with the ranks ready to break out into that elite category. I'm not talking about Steph Curry and Damian Lillard, but he's in, you know, the next, you know, tier below or the tier maybe below that, but he's he's ready to break into that second tier, I feel like. I'll definitely give him he's on the same level as like if he can do it this year, he's got that like Drew Holiday level of yeah. defense and offensive production where he can lead an offense, shoot the ball, play some hard defense and you know with him getting a little bit older and getting into more of his prime and mm -hmm. a lot of these veteran point guards kind of diminishing their their roles and everything i think that lonzo can find his way there yeah and i think this is the perfect segue because i think if he does have a career year he'll be among the same ranks and the same tier as the guy that we're about to talk about which is ben simmons because this wouldn't be a basketball show if we weren't talking about ben simmons right no so we were just talking i can't believe we did 53 minutes without talking about I know, ben simmons. seriously and it's, all that <laughs> and it's all that social media is talking about and now the recent reports of whether you know ben simmons is going to come back to philly but at the same time he's just not going to play and Iz was saying, you know, that might be where he's at. Even that, even if he chooses to play, that might be where he's at when it comes playoff time because he wasn't extremely efficient in the big moment last year. But Iz, I want to start with you. What do you sort of foresee with the future of Ben Simmons and the NBA? So in terms of his location, um, you could throw out a number of places where he could possibly go to. But you see, when I saw – because I was originally I was leaning towards a team like, say, the Timberwolves, maybe the Warriors. But now with them working out a whole like, you know, sit on the bench, that tells me they're waiting for something. They're waiting for somebody. They're waiting for something to happen. They turned down a lot of good offers if the reports are true. Um, I think they're waiting for one guy in Portland. Uh, what's his name? You know, I forgot what. To, oh, Dame Time. Yes, that guy right there. I don't believe Dame Time. They're ready to move on from him just yet. But I do wonder what will happen if. The Blazers, you know, we hit midseason. Things aren't clicking as well as they, they should be. They did lose Carmelo Anthony, and I am a Carmelo Anthony stand, but I do feel like that was a nice piece to have as your third option. I know they brought in Norman, Norman Powell and, and all these guys, but I feel like it's going to be more or less the same next year. And, and C.J. McCollum, I, I'm probably going to catch some heat for this, but I feel like he's been one of the biggest disappointments as far as, like, having – a second banana. I mean, he's come through in some cases, but when you really need him to take over a game, there's more than one occasion where he has just fallen flat, not even short, just flat. There's been, you know, stepping out of bounds late in the game, things like that. And Damian Lillard, you know, he's still in his prime, but he's not getting any younger. I mean, he only has, you know, he's already hitting 30 years old. So, I mean, he could, you know, he's a shooter, so he could probably last for a while, but, you know, his shoulders have to be hurting from carrying that team for so long. And if you're the Blazers and you're forced to trade Damian Lillard because he's upset, who better than to get 
than Ben Simmons, at least. I mean, that guy, he can do everything for you. He's not going to replace Damian Lillard. No way, no how. But you're, it's, it's how, always how it is. You're never going to trade a star and get a star like a, a prime-made guy. Like you saw what happened with, with uh, the Rockets trading James Harden. They didn't really get proper compensation. But Ben Simmons would be a guy, and I'm sure the 76ers would have no problem bringing in Dame Time to put him alongside uh, Joel Embiid. Imagine in Philly. I mean, I would love Dame Time in New York. Don't get me wrong. But in Philly with that fans, those fans behind him, he's draining threes from the logo. Man, the, the 76ers would be absolutely lit, and it, it would be a sight to see. And, and and the Blazers would be better off for the future, for the long run. It won't make them an instant title contender, but they have somebody to lead them the way for the next 10 years. And I want to ask you a follow-up to that, too, because you said in your bold predictions that regardless of where Ben Simmons was traded to, that team is going to be an instant playoff caliber team. Is that – if I trade him to – um, let's say I know a team that he was linked to was the Pacers. If they get a haul with the Pacers, do does Ben Simmons bring the Pacers to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? Gary yes. was yes. saying before the East is better than the West, apparently. Yes, yes, he does. He does. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are certain teams where they would be an eighth or a seventh seed. But I believe, aside from a handful of like the top-tier guys, I think Ben Simmons is the one that, that that adds more to your team than any other player. He's not going to get you far in the playoffs because, unfortunately, the one black hole in his game is he cannot shoot or he doesn't shoot. Maybe he can shoot and he's just saving it. And, by the way, if that happens, I'm 10 times right because that guy he's going to be perhaps a top six team wherever he goes. Um, we're talking about Giannis, Giannis level, you know, somewhere along that line. If he can start knocking down shots. So, yeah, anywhere he goes, maybe not midseason, it's probably not enough time, but I'm talking over a course of a full season, he's going to win you enough games. And even though he can't shoot, he can get you points. We've seen him score 40 points on Rodi Gobert in the past, and there are times where he's pulling up with triple-double numbers at the end of the game, even playing alongside Joel Embiid. Clearly that's not a marriage that he's happy with, and maybe he's just waiting on that jump shot. He goes somewhere, he's just going to start knocking down a couple threes, especially if he goes to a place like, Say, like I said, if he goes to the Blazers, he's going to have that kind of freedom. Like, this is your team now. I'm sorry, CJ McCollum. I mean, he's probably going to be your placeholder champion for the leader. You know, he's going to be your temporary leader. But Ben Simmons, that will be his team. Um, he brings the passing ability. He brings the defense. He brings everything. He can play your point guard. He can play forward. He could probably guard one through four, if not five. Um, he just adds so much to your team. I find it hard for a team not to make the playoffs with him. He'll get you eliminated in the playoffs, but he will get you there. Yeah, and Gary, we were talking a lot about potential destinations for Simmons, especially over in the Western Conference, because all reports indicate that if the 76ers are going to trade Ben Simmons, their asking price hasn't necessarily gone down the past couple of weeks, because I saw recently they were looking for three first-round picks plus you know swaps in other rounds. Um, so for you, what makes the most sense for Ben Simmons, and especially the 76ers? Uh, this is going to be like a really like obscure one. I know he's been linked to, I guess not obscure then he's been linked to the Cavs a lot. Um, I really do think a trade, especially with Colin Sexton and Kevin Love to get the contracts to match up. I think that makes the most sense for both teams for the Cavs. You get an, a distributed point guard, big, big defensive guy to link with Evan Mobley over there and Darius Garland, who's been looking like a real piece that they can move forward with. If they're going to give a big contract to one of those two guys, Colin Sexton or Darius Garland, I really do think that Darius Garland is the guy they're going to go with. And everything leaking from the Cavs camp says 
that Darius Garland is their guy. Colin Sexton's been linked in trade reports earlier. I know that uh, the Philadelphia 76ers are looking for a point guard. They're looking for guys that aren't going to be giving uh, Joel Embiid any stuffiness in the paint there. And Colin Sexton does just that. He shoots like crazy. He averaged 24 points a game last year. And although some people aren't the biggest fans of him, I think if you're the 76ers, if you can't get Damian Lillard and that relationship is really beyond repair and who knows, in two hours, Wardranowski might tweet out that Ben Simmons' camp leaked that and he doesn't agree. And so he's staying up and not going to play and he's continuing his thing. So we might see the Cavs be tra- the Cavs trading him for him here soon. And um, I like the fit. I-, I do think they have a lot of big guys up in their front court with Mobley, Jared Allen, and Lowry Markkinen that they just signed there. But it's the NBA. You get a couple of guys on the team. Ben Simmons does well. And then who knows that Jared Allen piece might be a, a great trade decision for some other team. Who knows some other uh, Western Conference finalist might need some bench depth or might need a starting center to really bring their defense to a level that it needs to be. And with Evan Mobley, with the way he's looked in the preseason, I wouldn't be surprised if the Cavs decide to move on from Jared Allen, give Ben Simmons that spot as the main guy who's not going to clog up the paint because, of course, Jared Allen is a center. He can't shoot all that well. Um, I like Ben Simmons on the Cavs, and I like what they could get back for for him in Philadelphia. I like the idea of Kevin Love spotting up on the corner for Joel Embiid uh, outlet passes. I like the idea of the outlet passes that he can throw to Colin Sexton in Philadelphia. And I think we forget that Kevin Love's very good. He might have been a little bit of a, you know, a whiner, I guess would be the word to call him in uh, Cleveland. But, you know, give him a reason to play basketball again. And I don't see there's a reason that he can't score like 14 a game just shooting the ball. And you put that next to Joel Embiid, you put a good shooter next to him. And I have Joel Embiid win an MVP this year for that reason alone, that him having the space to dominate in the paint with a guy in Ben Simmons who is in that dunker spot who is normally just sitting on the wing if he couldn't get the ball. And some guy who's – if you give him a guy that's actually going to space the floor, he could make some – he could do some some damage there. He averaged 51% from the field last year on 28 a game, and he wasn't even in the paint the whole time. He's become an amazing shooter, and I think that if you give him Colin Sexton and Kevin Love, Joel Embiid could, if not would – make it to a very high top seed in the playoffs. And honestly, even without them, I I really do love Joel Embiid's game. He plays both ends of the floor. And we forget that before he was injured last year, he was the MVP leader. So you remove Ben Simmons from the equation. Yes, their defense might be a little lackluster um, on the wing position, but you got Matisse Thibel there to pick up that slack. I just want to say real quick, I really like that prediction because I feel like if that happens, then two of my predictions I've made on this show will happen. Ben Simmons will get the Cavs to the playoffs, and the Knicks will yes. get to the second round. Oh, <laughs> and Gary, you know, Gary, you're not wrong. Gary makes an interesting point, too, because I remember you know reading back that the 76ers wanted to trade Simmons to a team in the West, but Gary makes a good point about keeping Simmons in the East because I think the Cavs have enough young pieces to potentially have that haul that the 76ers are going to be looking for in trade talks. I don't see, you know, the trailblazers or the pacers or anyone really being willing to negotiate on some of their younger superstars. 
because that's their core of the future, right? But the Cavs, you don't really know where they stand. And I'll tell you right now, as someone who's watched Kevin Love and the controversy of him potentially requesting a trade and then nobody wanting to trade for him, him quitting on the team, him coming back to the team, this whole entire madness, I'll tell you what, the Cavaliers would be jumping up and down if they were able to trade Kevin Love away at a decent price and have, you know, his contract sort of dealt with, you know, in a future year and no longer have that on their shoulders. That's a that's a win-win, I feel like, for both sides. So that's a good point by Gary. I know right now that the betting odds right now and the team that I'm sort of looking at is the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I'll tell you why, because Carl Anthony Towns is under contract for three more years. D'Angelo Russell is under contract for two more years. So what does that tell you? That tells you that there's essentially a two to three year window where the Timberwolves can become legitimate contenders, or it tells you that you have two to three years before this is a team that once again has to blow up their whole entire roster. Now the point of tanking is that you're going to win the least amount of games in the league in order to get more pieces. But yeah, they brought in Anthony Edwards, but that didn't help their cause because now they've won 23 or less games in each of the last two seasons. So I'm sort of sitting here and I'm like, okay, what does this team sort of need to get out of this funk? Because it's just not working. Like this is a core that normally you have D'Angelo Russell, you know, a, a strong guard that shot very well from deep last year, a career high 38.7 from beyond the arc. So you got a good backcourt, you know, player. You have a good frontcourt player, Carl Anthony Towns, who a lot of people regard as one of the best, best big men at one point in time. He was talked about right up there with Embiid. He was talked right up there with, you know, Hassan Whiteside when he was the big thing in Miami. Like, <laughs> Don't do this to me. There. Don't do this to me. You <laughs> guys remember, like, he was up there as one of the most talked about big men, and he was going to change the game. And, and now he's trying to get his 2K rating up. I know, I know. And right now, the Timberwolves have plus 196 odds to land, you know, Ben Simmons in a trade. But I, I just don't know because everything that's coming out of the Timberwolves camp tells you, one, they're not willing to give up Anthony Edwards. And two, they really don't want to give up D'Angelo Russell. So if I'm the 76ers, I'm saying, okay, you're giving me the picks. That's fine. But what else am I getting for my immediate future? Who am I going to develop in the meantime? And I don't think that the Timberwolves are going to pry away from someone that did finish, you know, surprisingly close to LaMelo Ball. I know there was a lot of advocates for Anthony Edwards who played more games than Lonzo last year due to injury, uh, not Lonzo, LaMelo, played more games than LaMelo last year due to injury. But a lot of people regarded him as the rookie of the year. So I don't see the Minnesota trading Anthony Edwards in any sort of case. And I think if you're going to elevate the play of Ben Simmons, what you really need is a good backcourt teammate. If Ben Simmons is going to play your point guard, you need someone that can shoot the ball. And D'Angelo Russell, for me at least, seems like the perfect fit for Simmons when it comes to a backcourt. But I, I just don't see Minnesota having the actual pieces to go make this happen. But I, I'm surprisingly shocked that the Timberwolves are ranked as the favorites. I think it would be a great landing spot. And I think it would be a hell of a bargain if Minnesota could land Simmons without having to give up one of their star players. But I don't know. Do you guys think that there's any chance of this happening? I do. I, and and really, I think the reason why it's a lot more likely than people think is because of the new ownership group there. I know they just had their general manager fired, but you've got a new ownership group there. And it's no secret that all of these guys who own the NBA teams are trying to win. I mean, of course, that's what you want to do. You're trying to make money, but 
you get in a room full of billionaires and you're all sitting there and you're all all the same. There's nothing different about you except for who's got the winning basketball teams. And if the Timberwolves are looking to make that jump to a winning basketball team, I think that ownership group might push for a trade, even if it's a little bit of what we would call an overpay for Ben Simmons, just to get that. All right. We've got our guy. We've got our duo. We've got the two dudes who we can surely say are going to be the keys to this franchise in the future. And if the Timberwolves <laughs> want to make the big move and if uh, the uh, new owners there want to actually sit down and have that winning team and make that stride of, all right, at least we tried. I think Ben Simmons is the way to go there. And I don't think that it's too crazy of an idea, but I'm not quite sure I love the fit with, um, with how it is who they're going to trade there. If they trade Anthony Edwards, I'm not really sure if um, that's too much for Ben Simmons at this point, especially if they're going to try to ask for picks along that with that as well. But if they're going to trade D'Angelo Russell, I, I wrote a piece a couple of months or about a month ago about trades for Ben Simmons. And I did add uh, D'Angelo Russell in there because I do think that it helps both the 76ers and the Timberwolves. And if you can get a point guard in there to pass the ball to Carl Anthony Towns, who is one of the greatest, and you can look at the numbers, it's true. He's one of the greatest shooting centers in NBA history. It's crazy to say that because he's not been on very good teams, not been on very many good teams. Um, the only team that ever made it to the playoffs was one with Jimmy Butler. But uh, I do really think that if you give Ben Simmons a duo partner like Carl Anthony Towns, with the defense that Simmons provides and the shooting that Carl Anthony Towns has, I wouldn't be surprised if they make their way, just like Isaiah said, into that 10, 9, 8, 7 spot in the West just because of how good Ben Simmons is. Yeah, exactly. And and you know what? The one thing about being a Timber, I'm, thank God I'm not a Timberwolves fan because at least with my Knicks, when we've been bad, I, I realize, okay, we're this season, you know, whatever. It is what it is. But the Timberwolves have been like the biggest tease for such a long time. You got a core with Carl Anthony Towns, and now you got, you know, Anthony Edwards. You had D'Angelo Russell. Like that is a core that most GMs should be able to build around and at least get you into the playoffs. Definitely not at the lower tier of the NBA. Um, and, and he mentioned, yeah, Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, he's legit. I mean, he's right there next to, you know, like you said, Hassan Whiteside and all those guys. So he's a very good center to have on your team. Um, and, and it's just a shame. But, yeah, I believe that uh, Ben Simmons on that team, if you could keep Anthony Edwards and you could keep Carl Anthony Towns, yeah, they're going to get to the playoffs. And, and even if they, you know – um, and I think they would I, I could see Russell definitely going the other way. I do feel like the Sixers would kind of that kind of be underwhelming for them though. You give up Ben Simmons and you lose, you know, I mean and you and you get D'Angelo Russell. I don't think that's such a huge bargain, but I guess it's a pretty decent fit. But I would I would lean towards no. Um if if I was getting you know, just betting it, I, I think I'm I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stay with the Blazers also. Okay. All right, so with that, we're going to wrap up our show. But before we do, we're going to talk about some last headlines that we have. The season is quickly approaching. I can't believe that the NBA regular season is almost here, guys. It's, it's almost opening night. So I'm excited. I know you guys are. Is we'll start with you. What is the headline that you are watching? You re- you open up your paper. It's right there on the front page. What's the headline you're looking at? Aside from my Knicks, because that's always the headline, um, I always got to look number two. I just want to see how the Golden State Warriors, how high their stock raises when Klay Thompson returns when Christmas time comes around. I think they're going to be good before him, 
but I'm just curious to see how he's going to be returning. I'm, I, I just want to see just how high that stock's going to rise. Like, are they going to be, you know, like a mid-level win here, lose here, and all of a sudden just come in and straight dominate with Clay Thompson? Or is it going to take a little while? I know that kind of contradicts me because I, I usually like the cohesiveness, but I just feel like Clay Thompson, it's like riding a bicycle. He's been in the gym and he's been watching this team. And I feel like that's going to be a really fun team to watch. So I just want to see how high they rise and how far, you know, when are they going to, are they going to eliminate the Lakers in the second round or the first round? So that's what I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, what do you got for us? Um, so as far as headlines go, I, I've been really, really, really excited. And I know I, I haven't been able to talk about my heat this, this podcast very much. I'm so excited to see what Tyler hero does this season. I'm looking for that headline that says, is Tyler Hero an all-star snub? Because although you have those two guys on the team, Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler, with already the all-star pedigree, Bam kind of getting snubbed last year, I do think that Tyler has a point and a case to bring himself to be the leader of what would be a – I honestly believe that the Heat are more of a defensive team, especially bringing in Lowry. Um, he's going to be somebody that can – pass the ball around but that offense is going to be predicated on can tyler hero score he's averaged 25 points per game in the play in the preseason uh, in just 28 minutes uh in the last th three games um he's labeled as just a shooter when if you watch his game for the last couple of weeks he's done nothing but drive handle the ball go to the paint his free throw rate is up his fl his floaters look incredible he's gotten different things in his bag and I just don't see a, a way that we can look back at the end of the season and see Tyler Hero haven't make making a big jump. He had the Eastern Conference Finals game against the Celtics where he went crazy. Everyone was on the bandwagon. Then he had a kind of a disappointing year last season, even though his numbers were kind of the same. It wasn't too much of a difference. You could see him trying some new things and maybe that was where it went wrong. But he looks fearless with the ball in his hands. The only thing I will we I'm worried about with him is his turnovers. He has to get those down a little bit. He's averaging three and a half right now in the preseason, but I do see him getting at least around 18, 19. I could even see him getting over 20 points per game for the for the regular season. And uh, I'm impressed. And it it might just be his development, and it might just be the Fred Van Vliet special where he just had a kid this off season and that might be the he might have dad strength now who knows uh tyler hero is looking to be one of those guys who i think can be a key part for this miami heat offense especially the offensive end where in the past they've struggled to put the ball in the basket especially in the playoffs last year when jimmy butler isn't scoring 30 points a game like he did in the finals the heat have to rely on guys like tyler hero duncan robinson and hopefully a bam out of bio who has said that he's going to start shooting a little bit more. He had a little bit of a mid-range game in the regular season that he, for some reason, shied away from during the playoffs. I don't know if it was a nerves thing. I don't know if he wasn't ready or if the game plan wasn't set for him to shoot that ball. But if Tyler Hero can do that, if Tyler Hero can score the way that I think he can, he can open up this Miami Heat offense to do incredible things for the regular season. Yeah, both great headlines. I'm, I'm going to wrap up right here. My headline going into it, I talked a lot about it earlier. It does involve my Lakers. I, I got this red button that's sitting close by just in case I need to push it. 
Um, but, you know, as much as Gary talks about the Lakers and their chances, I know, I know, trust me, trust <laughs> me. This is a team that I believe the Lakers are going to be a very, very good regular season team. My problem with the Lakers is, is this the Lakers from two years ago where they had Rondo, they had Dwight Howard, they had the winning formula, you know, nothing really changed from that point. But then they went into last year and completely fell apart in the playoffs because the Phoenix Suns just game planned perfectly. They almost didn't even have that opportunity to play against the Suns because you saw in the intro video, LeBron hits down a deep three to get by the Golden State Warriors that now have Klay Thompson. So I'm wondering where the Lakers are going to stand among the most elite teams, not only in the West, but in the actual NBA. I do believe that they can have any given night where Russell Westbrook can carry them to a win. LeBron can carry them to a win. Uh, Anthony Davis, it's his team apparently, news to me, news to everybody, but apparently it's going to be his team. He can lead, but he can lead a team to a win once in a while. And the team also does have a lot of depth, you know. Carmelo Anthony comes in. He's a notorious shooter. I know much how I know how much is loves Carmelo Anthony. You know what I mean? But Dwight Howard, he's the big man. I do believe he's going to get a lot of time in the starting lineup. You sort of have to figure out who's going to fill that fifth slot for them with uh, Horton Tucker no longer, you know, ready for opening night. It could be very well be mellow. You never know, but they do need some sort of shooter from the outside. And I just don't know who on the Lakers is going to knock down that three. Because I'll tell you right now, it's not going to be Russell Westbrook. And I don't know if it's going to be Carmelo Anthony either. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, but listen, guys, this was a great first episode. I'm glad we had the opportunity to do this. If you guys enjoyed this, please tune back in next Monday, 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. This is presented by the Athletes Hub. If you guys want to check out more of our deep takes, check out theathleteshub.org. And for now, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Happy basketball. <laughs>